Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. It's our quarterly review. We'll round up our biggest wins and fails of the first quarter and see how well we did with our predictions. We'll also hear from some friends of Pivot on what's coming in the second quarter and beyond. But first, Scott, Facebook, what the heck? Faceplant again. It's pulling some dirty tricks with its battle uh, with TikTok. It's obviously hot and bothered about that rivalry. They have a problem with rivalry, as you know. Um, the company paid a Republican firm to spread rumors and half-truths about supposed TikTok trends, like slap a teacher. The campaign uh, placed letters to the editor in local media claiming to be from concerned parents. I mean, I, and their excuse is, this is how it's done, I think. That was the quote from, from the Facebook spokesperson, which was appalling once again. I don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah, and it's... it's um... By the way, uh, TikTok or um, um, what? Did, who owns TikTok? Jesus Christ, I'm blanking. Chinese ByteDance. ByteDance. Excuse me. The thing getting in the way of TikTok being one of the five most valuable companies in the world in the next five years yeah. was the fear that there wasn't a Chinese wall, if you will, between the company and the CCP. Yeah. And when you hear that the real enemy is actually us. When you hear uh, that it's I, Facebook I, spreading misinformation yep. and trying to manipulate us, not TikTok, uh, Facebook, <laughs> what what Russia has done for NATO, Facebook just did for TikTok. And that it, is now TikTok looks like the good guys and that it's Facebook manipulating people's viewpoint. And also it's especially upsetting. I don't know. I, a lot of us, I had a really emotional reaction when I heard about TikTok and the slap your teacher challenge. Yeah. It really yeah. upset me. And then when I find out it it lacked veracity and it was Facebook manipulating me again, Yeah, I yeah. just get very and angry at Facebook. Most of these rumors, most, now listen, TikTok has plenty to worry about on its platform. And it's been actually pretty good comparatively. And they've been trying to fix it. There, any any p- platform that's popular is going to start seeing things that are problematic. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they – let me just read this from Casey Newton. It is so good. Yeah, he did. I read that it. That I yeah. really think it's worth reading. Of everything I find insane about Meta's latest dirty – latest, let's say. This is not the first. They did one a couple of years ago, if you remember, trying to mm-hmm. impugn George Soros. And they, they hired the definers in yeah. 2018 and did all kinds of hijinks that were filthy. Yeah. Um, of all the things I find insane about Meta's latest dirty tricks campaign, it is this scorched earth element that I find most mind boggling. The fact that the very issues Meta sought to expose began as rumors on Facebook only underlines the absurdity of the whole affair. And perhaps I should find some way to laugh about all of this. But even as Facebook employees tell me not to be naive, of course, Facebook does this. Everybody does this. I find myself choking on the cynicism. There's a cynicism of the planting of op-eds and letters theaters and local newspapers with their internet decimated staffs and diminished investigative powers, knowing they need content and won't likely ask too many questions about where they came from. There's a cynicism for boring credibility from local politicians, handing them a few paragraphs of someone else's ideas and encouraging them to pass the talking points off as their own. There's a cynicism of assuming no one will ever find out. Just, I thought that was exactly right. It's just, yeah, and there's what's wrong with these people? Well, when you think about when you think about this notion of a hate crime, right? You're tapping into yeah. people's worst instincts, and when you know, you like to think as a citizen, you want to be thoughtful around not trying to draw on 
or make things worse in terms of some of our yeah. more primal instincts. And what mm -hmm. what you find about the last time Facebook got in trouble, it's like, I know, let's tap into people's anti-Semitism yeah. and their link yeah. with George Soros and let, let's play on people's worst instincts and make their instincts worse. And this is, okay, let's play on people's anti-China you know, China xenophobia. Yeah. And, you and just more wonder, than that, on teachers, the head of the teachers union came out and said, this is disgusting. Um, because all these teachers were scared. And then, of course, it creates copycats, right? Because people well, think it inspires, it's a thing. It inspires kids to do it. Yeah. And, it inspires... and also, TikTok spent, wastes, wastes its time wait, on things they should be looking for because it spends weeks dealing with this. We had okay, a goddamn it's... meeting. It was a discussion in the board of, of mm -hmm. a school my, a school I'm involved in. So yeah. Facebook is wasting the time. Of school Everybody. boards all over America. And by the way, Facebook, we have other fucking things to worry about than your bullshit propaganda, yeah. creating false yeah. flags and sending us off in another direction, trying to figure out what we need to do to yeah. educate our students around not assaulting our teachers when, in fact, this was a lie weren't. propagated by you. Yeah. yeah. So, and you always say this, who the fuck was in the room when they made this decision? Yeah. Who, yeah, who was in the room and thought, that's a great idea? Yeah, we should go with it. Get Nick Clegg out there. Nick, Nick, this is a great idea. Like, who was in the room that not only came up with this idea, but who sat there and didn't go, wait, maybe yeah. we should rethink right. accusing a company of fomenting violence against American teachers? Lastly, Mark Zuckerberg said the last time they did this, which was appalling. This is beyond what they did last time. Um, that this is not the company we are going to be. We don't do this kind of thing. And then now they point to other companies that do it. But listen, I know they do. I get it. I know. But they do it like uh, Google does stuff like that. I'm sure Apple does. Uh, Microsoft many years ago did Frugal, if you remember. But they mm -hmm. that one they did out in the open. That was out. That was from Microsoft. Everybody knew it was. Um, this is... this. There's a level of malevolence here and a hatred towards the truth that I just, I can't even, I can't, I, I want to meet those people. And I want to like, I, I don't want to slap them because that's not what we do in America. But I just, how can they, how can they look at their kids? How can they, I just, how can they operate? It's very Trumpy. It's Trumpy. I can see a group of Trump people do this. I think they've literally gone to the dark side. I think their attitude is, we're victims. Everyone is unfairly coming after us, so we got to fight dirty. This is how the game is played. You just keep, you just keep working on your work. Uh, I got to believe this is not a – it's just – it's a culture among senior management. And until one yeah. of them – until Mark Zuckerberg is, it, it leaves the company uh, or a big tech executive at one firm, a firm – yeah. Uh, get, does a perp walk and it scares the shit out of all of them. I just don't yeah. see it changing. We well, get outraged and nothing illegal. happens. Uh, none of this is illegal. This is this is the problem. It's just repulsive. It's just repulsive is what it is. I don't quite know what's illegal. Wasting people's time. And you know what they'll say? Their next go-to will be well, like, yeah, we need to fix this. It was wrong. But let's be honest, this is nothing the News Corps doesn't do every no. day. That's what they'll well, say. Well, that is correct. That is good. They, they're such finger pointers. Look at yourself, you people. It's like, uh, honestly, uh, just honestly. I just Have you reached out to I, Cheryl? Is she proud of the progress they've made? I can't even. I can't even. I can't even. This is, where she, you know, let's where see where gone? this goes. Let's see where this goes. I'm going to, I would say I'd give them the benefit of the doubt here, but no, I'm not going to this time. I'm just not going to. Anyways. Um, it's anyway. We're outraged. We got, we're, we're outraged. We're angry. You know, did you see me fighting with people on your behalf on the Twitter yesterday, by the way? I, you know what? I tuned in last night. I was so tired that for me, I went yeah. to bed at midnight, which is really early. Yeah. And I saw this Twitter war and you were defending my honor and I couldn't follow it. I couldn't figure out what I had done wrong. Well, it was a fan of ours who was mad at us for saying, you know, oh, we want to get more stuff because we spend a lot of money. We were making a bigger point. I was the point I was making. Oh, I've done much worse than that. Um, and a lot of it were <laughs> jokes. We literally, we talked about sexting. I appreciate it. We ended up in a good space, all everybody. We had a great debate. Um, but And that's what's great. We like to debate and get feedback. We are not immune to feedback. I can see how it sounded like we were a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, rich people who are going, oh, I want more. It, that's, that sounds right. No, but the <laughs> you could do it if you're at In-N-Out Burger or something. You've got to have relationships with your customer in a much more significant way. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay, Scott, let's begin our quarterly review. 
uh, every week we make predictions on the show. Um, and, and since we hold everyone else to account, we're going to turn that critical eye on ourselves, which we do a lot, which we, mm-hmm. we always do. Uh, you did that at the end of your CNN show around trans issues. Um, and seeing how our predictions held up, we sometimes we're completely right and we make a really good point. So let's begin our quarterly review. First up, a prediction from Scott about Alibaba. This came in April of last year. We made this. I think Alibaba is a fantastic stock right now, now that the overhang right. of this match. So I think it's trading like 220 or 240. I think it's 300 by the end of the year. I think on a risk-adjusted basis, it's a fantastic stock to own. Well, it's not. Uh, that one was wrong. Mm. Alibaba was trading around 238 at the time of the prediction. By the end of the year, it was below $120. Um, that's about where it is right now, too. Um, there's all kinds of issues. There's some layoffs. I think the Chinese government has something to do with this, of course, um, which I don't think was easily predictable. What do, what do you think, Scott, went wrong? Well, I mean, I, I got this wildly wrong. It went, it actually bottomed out at like 75. Um, it did. And I think it's back to 120 or 130. So this is a geopolitical bet. It's a bet on whether the government wants to wrap the knuckles of its internet giants or cut their fingers off. And so far, they keep, I wouldn't say they've cut the fingers off, but they keep wrapping the knuckles. And uh, there's a lot of flows out of China because people are, I think, in a weird way, the geopolitical uh, instability has kind of had a flight to safety and people are uh, – the, the Chinese brand, if you will, around internet companies yeah. has waned. And that is people are insecure. When they see what happens in Russia, when these stocks can yeah. go to zero, when they see China take an entire sector around tutoring that was multi-billion dollar, take it to zero. When they see China weigh in and basically kind of put Diddy almost out of business, yeah, it creates an entirely different sort of risk-off trade. And China had kind of been up and to the right for the better part of the last decade. They yeah. have. So yeah. now you've gone from a company that was trading at sort of growth multiples to almost distress multiples. If you look at Alibaba now, and you look at its growth, I mean, keep in mind, this is a company that's still growing, I think, like high teens per year. Yeah. Um, and it has, it makes Amazon look kind of weak in terms of the different sectors they dominate, whether it's payments or e-commerce. Um, it feels like it's a good buy. But the thing is, people look at, I think, you're buying, you're making this, two bets here. You're making a bet on the company and you're making a bet on the CCP. And right now people are having a difficult yeah. time predicting the CCP's yeah. actions. And also, you know, there's a global slowdown in China too. Yep. Everything's not roaring back. Um, Jack Ma has lost enormous amounts of money, tens of billions of dollars. Um, and of course he's been quieted, um, which I think part of the, um, uh, part of the, the appeal of that was Jack Ma talking about various things. And, you know, there's, there's, this is a Chinese government issue, but of course they were still going to face, uh, regular, uh, regular issues, uh, as a, um, as a company, as they're competing. Um, and so it's, it's much more difficult with Jack Ma. When you sort of kneecap the founder in this case, it's a problem. And, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to happen. And, um, I think everybody operates in a very different style. Um, so look, we got that wrong. I, I you care to make a prediction of what's going to happen. I guess not, right? Oh, that's not going to stop me. I, I think Alibaba is a great company. And I mean, I think at this price, I do think, I just don't see how the CCP, the CCP still has to bring 10 million people plus a year out of poverty yeah. or otherwise there's revolution or it, it, they risk they risk their party being voted out of office, yeah. which in yeah. a single party nation is revolution. And Alibaba is uh, an incredible company, good management, super strong. So I think at these ratios, I mean, you basically, if you look at, if you look at uh, Alibaba relative to Amazon, it's a company growing faster that on most relative yeah. metrics is trading at a third of the price. I mean, it's just the price to sales ratio for Amazon is 3.7, the price well, to sales except, ratio. Except China, except China. We'll see. And and of course, whether they're going to bounce back, I, I would agree with you. I think uh, it's one of the important companies, but what they've done to entrepreneurial zeal in that country is... I think problematic for them. We'll see what happens. That doesn't mean it won't change, um, but it's a problem. The other thing is, uh, you think about TikTok, speaking of TikTok, they've got to uh, decouple from China. If they did, they would take off to the moon. And that's a question if they can really decouple in some way, uh, whether the Chinese government allows it is another story. But that's another thing that people are watching about. And if they do, they'll go public and they will really be a competitor 
to uh, Mark Zuckerberg in a really significant way. So just to finish up, price to sales for Alibaba, that's its market yeah. cap relative to its annual sales, is approximately 2.3. For Amazon, it's 3.7. And Alibaba yeah. is growing faster. So yeah. it by most traditional metrics, it looks inexpensive. But it's interesting, free markets and rule of law, and this is what gets me so angry, not angry, but all these libertarians that want to defund the SEC and criticize, <laughs> yeah. without that rule of law, without that hateful thing we call regulation getting in the way of our incredible mavericks, guess what? Your stocks would be 80% off because no one would have the security yeah. to invest in these markets. The thing about the USD yeah. and the NASDAQ is the NYSE is it gives people the confidence in Malaysia and Cape Town and Seoul to put their money in our markets because they know the government isn't going to come in and make these unilateral decisions and wipe out sectors. Yeah. So, yeah. Here, you know, here, oh. here, here for bureaucracy and government. Well, maybe not bureaucracy. But anyway, mm -hmm. I'm watching TikTok is what I'm watching to see what they do there. Yeah. Okay. Here's a prediction Scott made at the start of January as we approach the one-year anniversary of the GameStop short squeeze. Meme stocks, movement stocks, whatever you want to call this, companies claiming to be right. solving climate change so they can cash out. All right. The the reckoning is here in 2022. The reckoning by Scott Galloway. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Do you like how I just like go. go along with you? You were right. Uh, you say you're right on this one, but GameStop and AMC both rallied at, in March after steady fall in January. AMC is up year over year, but Robinhood is down significantly from its IPO in August. So I'd say a mixed bag here. Um, they, I think there's no predicting this stuff because these investors don't care about the fundamentals. So it doesn't ma matter. But do you think uh, meme stocks defend yourself? And then do you think meme stocks are over? Oh, I, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, I feel defensive. I think we nailed this. I mean, okay, okay AMC and... AMC and GameStop have recovered a bit, but the growth sector, I mean, these companies, they're, yeah, well, I don't care if you're Roku or Robinhood or uh, Twilio or, I mean, these guys rent the one, these guys are, there's a half of IPO stocks or half of these stocks are off by 50, 60, 80%. I mean, the market, there are hedge fund managers. G Kathy Wood, who was supposed to be the next Warren Buffett, I mean, her fund has been decimated. Uh, so if you own anything growthy, I, even yeah. the good stuff, even like Square or PayPal, these things are off 40, 60, 70%. Yeah, so yeah. the unwinding across the growth sector in the public markets over the last six months, I would argue, I, I would imagine it's unprecedented. I don't even think it's a buying it. opportunity or you just get out of the way until it, I, well, you know, the knife stops falling, I guess. I, I think we're about to see. So over the last 10 years, there's been a massive transition of capital from active investing or stock picking to passive where you just buy the market. And when the yeah. market climbs a wall of worry and just keeps going up on a risk-adjusted basis, you're just better off buying the market. I think we're about to enter a great decade of stock picking. And that is, if you were to look through, I published on my blog a list of all these companies that are off 60%, 70%, and there's some great names in there. I think it's we're about to go back to stock picking, and that is oh, there's going to be dislocation, the markets are going to be choppier, and it's going to lend itself to thoughtful managers who who find companies. There are some names in there where it's definitely the baby got thrown out with the bathwater. Keep in mind, from late from mid nineteen ninety nine. Give me a name, bathwater baby. Give me a bathwater baby name. Oh, I don't know. The kind of names I would look at be, would be like a Roku or a Twilio or. Uh, these are great companies, and I would want to know more about their their ratios. I think Robinhood could go down another eighty percent. I think Rent the Runway is a stupid uh -huh. company with a terrible business model that's probably going to go out of business. So there's right. companies that are going to zero. And by the way, I like Rent okay. the Runway. I was rooting for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But y there's definitely some companies in there that have probably been. You know, the pendulum is never at the bottom, right? It always swings mm -hmm. too far one way or the other. But you would definitely sure. need to do your homework. But that lends itself to stock pickers. I think active management. Is about to see um, about to see uh, a renaissance. To but, those who can do, a, a, is it, so the couple of stocks you Roku and others you think. But I'll talk about. That, uh, so it's dangerous to make recommendations and shit you don't own because you're not putting your yeah. skin in the game. These are the two stocks I own in this category. Okay. I bought Lemonade at the IPO. Uh, I bought yes, it. You're at, a very big fan. I bought it at twenty eight. I mm. sold it at sixty and seventy, and it ran to one eighty. And I thought I'm an idiot for selling. Yeah. And I still own some, and now it's back to like 30. So this is one of those companies wow. that's literally off 80% from its high. 
Very yeah. growthy, you know, crazy multiple. I don't have a view on it now. I just haven't looked You're at it. You're sort of a half idiot because you sold up. But right. Then, uh, uh, and then the other good. company, my biggest position that I've mm -hmm. ever made is uh, uh, Airbnb. And I was lucky enough to get in at 68. It ran to 210. It went back to 130. Now I think it's back at 170 or 175. It is. It's too, well. um, but that company, I think, I think Airbnb is the yeah. next quote unquote big tech firm. I think it's the strongest yeah. brand in the history of I'm hospitality. With you on that one. What's that? I'm using it right now. I, I love it. It's uh, I think it's, it's got moats. I think the design is elegant. I think it's got it's great the one I trust. I, think I it's trust got, it. I think it's got great leadership. I think there is no brand. If you look at every search done on Google for hotels in uh Orlando, they don't yeah. add up to the number of searches for Airbnb Orlando. And yeah. the key to that thing, the key, one of the keys to Airbnb is they've been able to exit the stranglehold of Google and Facebook. They don't have to yeah. pay because people go right to Airbnb or they type into Google Airbnb yeah, Dallas. Yeah, I'm going to Brazil in a couple of weeks. And the first thing I yeah. do is Airbnb Florinopolis. Yeah. It's interesting. Why don't you use, I don't use VRBO, but although I've, I've looked at it, um, I have a, tr you know, what we were talking about last week with trusted relationships, mm -hmm. this is a trusted relationship. I have had um, they've got lots of stuff that, you know, we talked with Brian about that at, at PivotCon, but it's, they've got lots of issues that they're dealing with, but they've certainly, one of the things he said, we had all our shitty issues at the start, you know, that they had, they had a very rough going at the beginning and now they know how to handle them. They're going to see more problems. Obviously they've seen those pop up, but the way they handle them got the difference between how he handles his crises versus Facebook is really such a, it's like night and day. It's like night and day. It's amazing. I mean, but look at um, this. Just back to Pinterest off 73% yeah. from its 52-week high. Uh, Lemonade off 80, Virgin Galactic off 85%. Oh, well, and yeah, by the way, what did we say was going to be the poster child for the SPAC unwinding? Virgin Galactic. We said Virgin Galactic. Okay, it's down 85%. Affirm, the payments company. Peloton off 80%. Yeah. Uh, Hims, remember them? We had the CEO on oh, yeah. off 78%. Redfin off 78%. Clover, 93%. Oh, some of these are good companies, uh, but let's go to our next one. Uh, he, lastly, here's a prediction from July from Scott. This is a great era of entrepreneurship. We're going to see more new businesses started in the second half of 2021 right. oh, in any six-month right. period in the last 30 or 40 well, years. Well, we are going to hold you to that. Oh, see? See how I do that? I'm just your, like, handmaiden of, huh? Uh -uh. Mm. Interesting. This one is right. The record 5.4 million new business applications were filed in 2021. That's more than 50% increase over 2019 before the pandemic. Scott, where'd this come from? Although, because everyone does feel nervous at the same time. It's funny, there's job growth and so many jobs, and yet everyone's nervous because of inflation. It's a really interesting, weird time uh, uh, for people. Look, and they had money from the pandemic. I, I've been starting businesses my whole life, and we like to credit our successes or credit our grit and our character for our successes and blame the markets for our failures. Yeah. Um, and I have found, I look, I've started nine companies. I'm sort of like three, two, and four. Three wins, two yeah. big losses, four sort of draws. And when I look back on trying to figure out the signals from the noise on what is the correlation between success and failure, the only thing I could come up with was where in the economic cycle I started the company. And when Shitty I, times. When I started companies coming out of recessions, they almost always won. When I started companies in frothy times, they almost always never worked. Oh. Because when I started L2 in 2011, I could get real estate in Manhattan for 27 bucks a square foot. I could hire talented people for 20 bucks an hour. And then coming yeah. out of a recession, it was the perfect storm of good things here. And it's not a recessionary environment, but the, the key is that Everybody is rethinking the way they do business, which means consumers yeah. and enterprises are willing to try new things and reevaluating the vendors they use, the, the things they buy. In addition, the shock to your life gives you a moment of pause. And I love the term used, the great reassessment, not the great resignation. In addition, yeah. a lot of people can dance between the raindrops and using kind yeah. of the gig economy support themselves. So it's like, okay, I hate my job. I'm not enjoying myself where I can be at home. I can make some extra money. Maybe this is the time to leap and start my own design firm, uh, whatever it might yeah. be. Well, interesting. Let me throw something in. According to the Census Bureau, only a third of those 5.4 million applications for business were actually hired hire people. people. Yeah. Many were self-employed. Everyone is becoming me. I like, you know, I, that's I don't a scary like thought. Yeah, that's it's a true. scary thought. Everyone's feeling like I've had, I had a dinner with 
uh, fans of ours uh, from the uh, graduate school of business at Stanford, the, mm-hmm. the business school. And it was this group, a table of young students, very diverse, which was really interesting, smart, uh, diverse, uh, mixed men and women. It just was great. It was a really great, different backgrounds, different parts of the country. Um, and um, they were all um, thinking about differently. They did not necessarily were going to rush into big companies. They were all thinking about starting companies. Uh, they had a very positive attitude in that way. They didn't feel scared. And that's the one piece of advice they asked me for a piece of advice at the end. And I'm like, don't feel scared to do things at your age, especially they were younger. Um, uh, not everyone was younger though. Uh, well, I think they were, they're pretty young in any, but they had been, uh, some of them had had careers before and mm-hmm. they felt, it felt like they were really leaning into uh, startups and trying things and I don't know. It was interesting. It was. An, I felt great after this dinner. Look, it's a more nuanced conversation. I think about this a lot. If you're blessed with a great degree and you're yeah. young, I still think that going to a great platform on a risk-adjusted basis, if you're fortunate enough to get an opportunity to go to work for a great platform, whether it's a Vox, a JP Morgan, a Google, I still think on a risk-adjusted basis, that's the place to go and learn and get healthcare and meet people. Um, I think. I think entrepreneurship is romanticized. Having said that, creating an environment, and this is where I think antitrust comes in, where there's a lot of opportunity for small businesses, um, I think that's the key to America's, one of the keys to America's success. Two-thirds of new jobs are created by small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, So I think anything we can do to increase the environment for entrepreneurship is a wonderful thing. Um, I think you have to be, I think you have to take a sober look. The, the thing I don't like about this news is everyone says, oh, I'm gonna start a business. And whenever I t- yeah. call people and call me, they think I'm gonna go, oh yeah, start a business no matter what they ask me. And more often than not, yeah. I say, you know, as much as you hate where you are, given your situation, given your financial needs, I would consider staying for another year and trying to work it out there. But yeah. the more new business formation you have, the better the economy, because these things fill new spaces, occasionally they blow up. And um, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. It's been very stressful and it's been very rewarding. And I find that there's a link between those two things and anything you do. And that right. is the highs are higher and the lows are lower. But, but they should, I think, I think the idea is if you have a choice, you should make a choice. And many people, they asked me if I would give the same advice to those who, you know, had, had jobs, you know, that, that aren't movable. And I said, no, absolutely not. But I would encourage them to get more, there's more educational opportunities online to think about uh, some, if you didn't have education, some vocational training Mm -hmm. um, or get that education. But, uh, but it was, it's different where you are on the economic spectrum, obviously, but you're right. Sometimes staying is is just as good a decision as leaving. That's a key point. And that is, we tend to think of entrepreneurship in the context of two MIT grads who leave Google to start a company. The majority of entrepreneurship is immigrants that are never given the opportunity to work for Google, so they open they open a That's great restaurant or services company. Yeah. Entrepreneurship, I mean, I relate to this, and people don't. I'm an entrepreneur because of my deficiencies, not because of my skills. I don't yeah. have the ability to be effective and successful in a big organization. I'm too insecure. Me either. We're bad employees. You know that? Well, really? I, I don't position it as like a romantic thing. Like, I'm too much of a maverick. I was literally too no, insecure. No, no, I said bad employees, Scott. I'm well, not insulting uh, let us. me just be self-aware for a moment. When I was at Morgan Stanley, if people yeah. went into a conference room, I thought, oh, they must be talking about me. I spent more time oh, worrying about worrying about <laughs> what everyone thought of me. Young Scott. Than actually show young doing, Scott. Doing, my sh- doing, getting my shit done. And so I thought, I need to have control and information. And the only way I can get that is by starting my own business. So so, so the majority of entrepreneurs start a company yeah. not out of options, but out of a lack of options. And the great oh, thing about America- I don't agree. I didn't do that. That's not why Walt and I, I started. I, I think just you're thought different. everybody was stupid. Yeah, but you have tremendous, of- you had tremendous momentum and for lack of a better term, privilege. You have brands, you have yeah. platforms, you had money, you had amazing educations. The majority yeah. of entrepreneurs have none Agreed. of that. They have none of that. They don't. They can't go to work for Google or the Wall Street Journal. So uh, just be clear. If you have access to those platforms, think long and hard before you leave, because the greatest wealth generator in history is still the American corporation. So it's a situational thing. I don't like it when business schools and everyone just say, yeah. Do, "Oh, start a business. You're lame if you go to work for another company." No, you're not. It's yeah. all situational. It's about where you are in your life, your financial all needs, right. your financial okay. obligations. Scott is advising moderation. 
That's got oh, it's, it's, it's nuanced. All right. Wait, Bringing in a nuanced. little nuance. Oh, I love this nuance, nuance from today. the dog. That's right. He doesn't just howl at anything. He howls at the moon. All right. Okay. All right. Let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear from some friends of Pivot about what's coming up in the next quarter. And I'm sure they're going to be nuanced. Mm. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Scott, we're back. Now that we've looked back at our own predictions, let's hear, I don't make predictions, by the way. Let's hear, except that I, I egg Scott on. Uh, let's hear from some friends of Pivot about what they expect in the coming months. To start, here's a prediction from Ina Fried of Axios. I think geopolitical issues are really what's going to dominate the tech discussion for the next few months, particularly, obviously, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It has a number of effects, some of which we've already started to see around content moderation, around where tech companies do business. But I think we'll see that deepen in the next couple of months. I think supply chain issues could crop up. Supply chains are already very strained, particularly semiconductors. And while Russia doesn't play a pivotal role in the broad tech ecosystem, they do provide some key raw materials that are needed for tech. So if there's any issues there, it could really challenge an already struggling supply chain. And the other piece to watch is China. China has kind of tried to sit on the sidelines here, um, but certainly I think there's going to be pressure from both sides for them to take a side in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And to the degree that they don't come out against Russia, I think that could further reinvigorate the discussion around the U.S. and West decoupling from China, as well as China taking its own actions to become more independent. That's going to happen over the long term probably anyway, but the Russia conflict could accelerate things. That's a very deep and substantive and nuanced argument from Ina Free. Thank you, Ina. Uh, BlackRock's Larry Fink says the Ukraine war is bringing out, uh, bringing an end to globalization, which is interesting. Deglobalization could have some benefits, a disrupted energy market could speed up the transition to renewable energy. What think you, Scott? Well, I like, you know, I think she always has a thoughtful take on stuff. The deglobalization argument, it made for a good catchphrase, but we're deglobalizing on trade. And that is uh, a lot of companies are saying we need a more heterogeneous supply chain. Proximity yeah. is more important. We need to do right, more that business. There's going to be more domestic manufacturing in America. And example. more trade with our allies. I mean, yeah. the biggest, uh, if you want to talk about geopolitics, you have to understand energy. Because if you look at the last hundred years, you know, oil has had a lot more impact than the semiconductor, the internet. And what is, to a certain extent, even when Putin decided to launch this war and how he, how he launched it was a function of the energy markets. And what we're going through now is trying to figure out the relationship between liquefied natural gas and oil 
and Europe's needs and our needs. And so just there's more conversations right now, Kara, around how we yeah. transfer energy to different nations and how we transfer armaments. Yeah, I think that's a good time to be innovative, actually, well, try to think of new things. I don't know if there's going to exactly open a, right. a chip uh, a chip manufacturing thing in Amer- America. But, you know, I had a discussion with Chamath Palihapiti. I know he can. he's had some issues recently, but nonetheless, he's very smart. And he's, he was like, things that collapse give you an opportunity to come up with new ways to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's a big idea, but, you know, whether it's airlines, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, uh, I don't know there's going to be a chip plant in America, but how do we do these things? Where do we get them from? What prices are we willing to do? Where can we cut? I think it gives you, I, I think crisis always gives a great opportunity um, in this case, but it's, but she's right. This China thing is, there's more and more, China is our rival. China is our, U, the U.S. rival. And they are, you know, we talk a lot about Russia and there's a lot of um, that, but they're they're so far behind uh, the real point. Um, it, China's really the rival of the United States of America, and so what does that mean? It doesn't mean you know a cold war by any stretch, but it certainly means to be thinking about uh, that there's another power that has significant advantages that the way we have had. Anyway, we have to move on. Here's a prediction from Nicole Perlroth, the author of "This Is How They Tell Me the World Ends." Okay, first the bad news. Over the next few weeks and months, I think we are going to experience Russian cyber attacks of critical infrastructure. The White House announced last week that Russian hackers are already in the planning stages of these attacks. And I think with the West continuing to tighten the screws on Russia with sanctions and the ban on oil and diamonds and vodka, it's inevitable at some point that Putin will retaliate with cyber attack. We know that they have the access, we've seen their capabilities, and I think what we as Americans don't realize is just how soft our underbelly is when it comes to cyber. So watch that space. Um, I can't leave you there because it's too scary. So I'll leave you with some good news. I think until now, cryptocurrency has really been a safe haven for cyber criminals, but not anymore. I think over the next few months, we're going to start seeing law enforcement and agencies like the IRS turn it around and exploit the public nature of the blockchain against cyber criminals. And I think we're going to see them start doing it at scale. So cyber criminals, be afraid, be very afraid. That's all I got. Be good, you two. I will see you on the other side. Well, that's smart. Nicole's so smart. She's smart. Uh, You know, she left the Times. She's working as an advisor to uh, CISA and stuff. Um, just a really smart person. I think she's right. I think we have to be very clear. We've talked about this extensively this year around cyber issues. And, um, and we have to be really clear that we are vulnerable. Um, and we're dependent on these, on these, on these different technologies. Um, hackers on the other side, though, hackers, the under the anonymous banner, see, they've taken down websites of Russian energy companies and news organizations. They are also, the whole world is vulnerable in this area. Um, and the question is, how we do it. I would like to see at the end of this, some sort of worldwide um, agreement around cyber attacks, uh, just the way we did it with nuclear. Um, I think it's really important. I don't know why we don't have that, but it's not, it is war. It is a war of a different kind, but it's just as devastating. It's not just as devastating, of course not, not buildings, but it's, it can be, it could, it could have repercussions that are very significant around people's savings and their lives and the, the safety of water and electricity, et cetera. So, um, yeah, but Nicole, I'm a huge fan of Nicole's. I read her work, but there's just no getting around it. Nicole and other cybersecurity analysts got it wrong. Uh, there was Meaning. well, there was a lot of cybersecurity analysts said we're kind of waiting for cyber attacks from Russia that didn't materialize. Not yet. I'm sorry. I think she's. I think we're very vulnerable. Uh, I don't I, think. Wait, I'm not I think arguing. they're busy having a shitty war, doing a bad job. Mm, I, I they think have made a conscious decision not to do this. They're, the the guy running the guy driving the tank isn't the one doing cyber attacks. They have decided. They have purposely made a decision to hold back, at least so far, because I believe we have closed the gap and they are worried about they are worried about counterattacks. I, I, so I, I, I think the security analysts around cyber here actually got it wrong. We've all been very I'm surprised gonna, at the lack of I'm going to go attacks. on the other side of this. I'm going on the other side of this. I think we are very vulnerable. That's not what I'm arguing, Kara. To date, I think there was to date. All, the cyber, all the cybersecurity analysts predicted this would be a war 
of traditional armaments and cyber attacks. They were half right. Yeah. The cyber attacks have not come. And so the question well, is, why I, haven't they come? I think they will come. Um, we'll we'll see. I believe the U.S. has actually significantly closed the delta. And uh, I think that whether privately or publicly, um, I think we have communicated, Nicole talked about this, our ability to shut down yeah. with a cyber attack those yeah. nuclear reactors. Sure. I think Russia has said, okay, just as we don't want to engage Russia directly with a no-fly zone that includes taking out their missile batteries in Russian in Russian territory, I think the Russians have calculated that if we start doing cyber attacks, uh, they will respond. And we might not like how they respond because to date, every, everyone is surprised at the lack of cyber attacks coming out of Russia right now. Well, I think we have a much bigger uh, landscape, as I've said. Yeah, we'll surface see. Of, we'll see. Surface of attack. I Surf love that. What's the term you use? I love attack surface. Yeah, that's a good term. It's the name of my next book. Uh, cyber criminals. I think she's right. This is the government's getting its hands around this, but but uh, there's also going to be all these problems. Last week, hackers stole over 600 million in cryptocurrency from a network behind Axie Infinity. So, is government's going to have to start hiring up on this area? If you want to go, in, by the way, jobs, cybersecurity. Like we talked about. 100%. I mean, crypto has been really interesting in the sense that this was supposed to be the perfect storm of good things for crypto. Governments yeah. deciding uh, that you couldn't uh, crash in currencies, inability to transfer funds, governments stepping in and providing sanctions and freezing assets, volatility. I mean, inflation. It, it, this felt like the perfect storm of the narrative for why crypto should be so strong. And Bitcoin went down and it has recovered. Yeah. But it hasn't had what I call its quote unquote big. It's big moment. Um, yeah. But what they do like is the regulation. Uh, the regula it, They do need regulation. And, and in fact, the criminal element of crypto has been exaggerated. I think actually as a percentage of volume, the amount of illegal activity in crypto has actually declined. Yes, they are. Sure. And I think, quite frankly, I think the worst thing to happen to Web3, like the worst thing that's happened to a lot of things over the last several years, involves the name Trump. I think when Melania Trump, a first lady, oh, yeah. holds an NFT auction yeah. and it ends up that there are fraudulent wallets yeah. trying to f create market manipulation and bid yeah, this thing up. Yeah, she just points out the problems. Yeah. And then, yeah. and I don't know if you've looked, if you look, but at that moment, and I don't know if it's yeah. related or unrelated, but NFT volume has, has really checked back and it peaked about the moment where our first lady pulled off what seems to be- Former first lady. Our former first lady. I've never understood people's affection for her. I think it's because it's like— Oh, I think she's an awful, she's, awful she's terrible. character. And she's awful because character. she was standing next to someone even worse, everyone's like, oh, no, she's smart, and she's a good first and, lady. And then and she'd make was, a face at him. That, that, you know, I almost didn't like her more because—no, I know that's not true. It's because she kept making faces at him and laughed. I'm like, whoa, she sits there, and then she makes faces at him? Like, what? No. Well, she's not my friend because she makes faces at him. That's kind of shitty to be a wife and do that. Just leave him or not. That's my feeling on her. But I anyways, NFTs, and I think well, Melania kind of, it. Melania is the worst thing to happen to NFTs in, in my okay. sense All right. for a while. Right. I, I'm actually bullish on NFTs. But crypto's big moment, I mean, the crypto Taliban has gone oddly quiet. The people who are Meaning? like crypto, well, the Bitcoin uh, maximalists who were on Twitter every yeah. day attacking everybody if you didn't say Bitcoin was going to a million dollars a coin yeah. have gone quiet, uh, which is strange. I don't know if they're just well, waiting is, and lie. Well, I don't know what's is, going no, on No, this is typical for the beginning. This has happened at the beginning of the internet. Anyway, here's one from Ronnie Mala of Recode. Here's our next one. I think we're going to see a resurgence in unionizing. We've already had nine out of 10 of the Starbucks locations that have voted vote to form a union. And in the coming weeks, 160 more are slated to do so. And I get that it's always tantalizing to think that union membership and the protections it affords are going to come back, especially after being in decline for decades. But I, I do think there's something different about this moment in time. You know, these Starbucks stores, while they have just like 20 or 30 people each, punch way above their weight in terms of the public consciousness. The people working these jobs became adults amid like huge inequality, these big social movements like Black Lives Matter, not to mention a global pandemic. And I don't think they're afraid to demand better. Well, that what do you think, Scott? We've talked about this. You've talked about the weakness of I think the Starbucks thing is interesting. Uh, a union helped pay my way through college. I was a part of a union yeah. at San Vicente Foods where I was a box boy. Um, I'm a fan of unions. Uh, she's wrong. It's a blip. Um 
Okay. If you look at this, in my view, if you look at the Western nations that have unions, their membership on average is down 40 to 70 percent. Unions just just are a failed construct and a mix of a mix of outdated economics, corruption, lack of coordination among the unions, uh, the ability of management and shareholders to atomize employees, income inequality, poor regulation that doesn't raise minimum wage. Um, I think that the strongest the strongest union in the world needs to be the federal government that gives people dignity and work and raises minimum wage. But I just, right, right. I think that they'll have I like blips, how you're trashing but I don't think it's going to happen. All right. But what replaces that? I want you to give me a solution to, instead of telling me an old saying doesn't work. Oh, uh, okay. Federal funding of vocational programs. Um, taxing endowments, uh, forcing colleges to increase freshman year enrollments, raising minimum wage to $15 and then $20 in the next three years, uh, universal basic income, restoring the child tax credit. Should I go on, Kara? Should no, I go saying, on? All right. Okay. But with unions, what, how do, how, what is the new version of a union? Is that, is that, is that that's what that it's is? It's called the U.S. fucking government, the most noble organization in the world that puts a floor on what people can make. This is about money. Yeah, There's I no, agree with the minimum wage. We, we talked have about these, tripled, again, these. We have tripled CEO yeah. compensation. The NASDAQ is up yeah. fivefold, and minimum wage since yeah. 2009 has exploded from 725 to 725. Yeah, agree. Unions wage. are ineffective. Uh, on yeah. the whole, unions have gotten their asses kicked up and down Main Street for the last 30 years. So the and federal it, government. What we need to do wage. is all be members of a union. We all need to pay yeah. our dues to the government, including wealthy people, and say, "Okay, yeah. union called the U.S. government. Everyone yeah. in America, if they decide to work and there's dignity in work, makes at least fifteen and then twenty bucks an hour." Over. I mean, I just don't think it's that complicated. And we need to train. Over fifty percent of Germans have some sort of certification or vocational training. In the U.S., it's less yeah. than ten percent because we're all drunk on this notion: my kid's going to go to MIT and go to work for Google. Two-thirds of kids don't end up with yeah, a college degree. Not all of us are drunk on that notion, but okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, I like come on. Scott Every angry. parent thinks their kid's going to end up at no, MIT and I don't go to care. work for Google. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If my son wants to work in a restaurant, I'm good with it. My other son wants to, I, no, I don't, not every parent does. I'm sorry. Okay. Near you every parent. I, I'm not. I don't, I, I talk to lots of parents. I don't think every parent does. I think that's a... That's a cartoon of parents. I don't think that's the case. We, I think we have created in this nation a fairly narrow path of what we define as success, and I think it creates tremendous stress in households. I would agree, but I think there are a lot of people pushing back, including young people and their parents. I'm going to push back on you. You're pushing back on every one of these. These people appreciate I, pushback. They don't need us. These are all super successful people. Okay. So far, I agree with Ina. I'm on the same side as Ina. Everybody else Everybody else is from Wokistan. Oh, unions are making a comeback. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that <laughs> okay. be nice? All right. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Glass Half Empty. All right. All right. Lastly, Matt Bellany, one of my favorites of Puck, with a prediction that's near and dear to my heart. I have a Tom Cruise prediction for you. I predict that Top Gun Maverick, which comes out on May 27th, will be the biggest opening weekend of Tom Cruise's career. Yes, biggest. That is not accounting for inflation, of course, but the biggest opening weekend he's had has been War of the Worlds, which is just $64 million. And I think that Top Gun is huge with boomers, huge with Gen X. All they got to do is get some millennials interested in this thing, and it is going to be way higher than that. That is my prediction. Big win for Tom Cruise, big win for Paramount. Okay. Uh, all right. Wow. Uh, Matt, I would agree with you. Thank you. Um, he was also saying that they've got a red uh, state, blue state winner here, and pent up demand is for this is through the roof. I would agree. I cannot, Matt. Let's go together to go see this. I'll, I'll fly out to Los. I think you live in Los Angeles. Um, I am very excited to see this six times. Um, I love <laughs> Top Gun. Um, I will see it in the theater. There's no way you can see it anywhere else. But Matt, as usual, because he and I disagree, because he's he, you know, he he's a little bit more pro theater. I think theaters are still, um, you know, uh, are not going to be as significant. Um, and you pick and choose. There's so much great stuff on, on streaming. We were, when we got to this, uh, Airbnb last night, we found a movie that Ryan Reynolds was doing, The Adam Project on Netflix. Fantastic, really cute, adorable, et cetera. Um, so I, as much as I love this prediction and I agree with it, I think we're still in the same situation with Hollywood and movie theaters. And you've got to start to get used to that. 
happening. It's a new world out there. It's a, you know, speaking of war of the worlds. Go ahead, Scott. I agree. Like F-15 or Raptor planes in America and flag. And Maverick, Tom, he's mad. He's, he's been, he's never been an admiral, that kind of thing. Uh, I think, I think Tom Cruise is the best actor who's never won an Oscar. And I think that his looks and his action uh, film success uh, take an academy that is, that is quite frankly, a little bit, it, it just has a tendency to like more artsy films. But if anyone yeah. sees his performance in Magnolia, if anyone sees his yeah, performance, couple he was breathtaking in Born on the Fourth of July. I think he's the best yeah, actor he who hasn't won an Academy Award. And because he's such a huge star and because, quite frankly, he's just so good looking, um, yeah. I think the Academy has overlooked him. He's not going to get it for this. It's just not the kind of movie. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll see it twice. I think it's, yeah. I'm excited okay. about it too. Well, you know what's interesting about him? He's, I have a lot of distaste for his personal stuff, or a lot, a lot. Like he's, he always manages to top himself in nutty things he says. And, um, but I see every Mission Impossible. I, I have a real problem because I love all his. He's not a I bad loved, guy, um, though. He's just weird. He's not a I, bad guy. I, 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 the Scientology, I just. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I They're, just, okay, he's weird. I, uh, he's, it's uh, more than weird. It's, it's more than weird. In any, if you read extensively on it, it's more than weird. Um, so, but that said, I really do like these, uh, Mission Impossible movies. I loved him in, um, oh, the one I keep forgetting the name of, uh, where he's in the future. Um, and he, and it's, uh, The Edge he, of Tomorrow? No, no, no. That one Minority I like Report? Minority Report. My favorite yeah, movie. Really I see it film. over and over again. It's a really good film. Um, and so here's the deal. Uh, I think you're right. I think he's a great actor. I really do. I don't think he gets enough. He, he was great. Did you see one, Tropic Taps. Thunder with Ben Remember? Stiller? Yes, Tropic he Thunder. Was that was amazing. In that. Go go back and see Taps. I can't believe how many Tom Cruise movies yeah, I see. He's a, and so, he's a great therefore, actor. Um, he's a movie star. We, he is we, really a movie we, star. He really is, and he still is. I even like the Jack Reacher ones, even though he was totally he was, wrong for I, it. I, I but let me that. let me just sideline here for a second. So sorry about Bruce Willis. Uh, did you hear the news? I again another someone I was. Um, he has aphasia. He's retiring from acting. It's a forced retirement because he has aphasia. And as someone who had very temporary aphasia when I had my stroke, I don't know what the circumstances are. It's typically around a stroke or another neural uh, neural issue that you impairment that you have. Um, he he has. It's, you can't speak. You can't communicate. Hmm. Um, and I had it for about twenty minutes when I had my stroke, and it was terrifying. Um, he's going to be retiring. Um, and I, Bruce Willis has given me more pleasure in the movie theater, uh, just the movie theater, um, around the Die Hard movies and the way he talks and his fast talking. And even going back to when he did television, um, I just think he's, uh, he's a really interest. I always like a Bruce Willis movie and I feel bad. Another act, I'm an action star person. So, um, I, I wish him well and uh, I'm sorry for his family. Um, so. That's there you go. Thing. Yeah, I remember in my senior year in college, I used to hang out with my friends, and every uh, Wednesday night, we'd go over to my friend John Kimball's house, and we'd make taco yeah. salad and watch Moonlighting. Oh, okay. Moonlighting. That's the one. He was with Sybil Shepherd. Let's be honest. It's shocking I'm not gay, isn't it? Aren't you a little surprised? <laughs> I, Aren't you a little surprised? I, I, I think you're gay in spirit. How's that? Gay in spirit. Garrett? <laughs> I'm Garrett. You're you're gay adjacent. My ex used to say, uh, gay by day, straight by night. I'm sure that's going to trigger people. Anyways. Oh, don't worry about it. The gays don't get that offended. Don't worry. Especially because you got George Han by your side. Jihan! Anyway, so you're surrounded. You're sur yeah. My Did you take friend. him to the CNN opening? Did you? Are you, are you did, kidding? He, he was invited yeah. before me. <laughs> no, no, no. He took me. Love, he took me oh, to he? the CNN opening. He's the belle of the ball there. I love that guy. So you see, he put out a Twitter photo of him in a suit without his shirt on, and it got like 50,000 yes, likes. Yes, he did, doing the Timothy Chalamet. He looks good. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for our quarterly wins and fails. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at... 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Okay, Scott, we're back. It's time to pick our wins and fails for Q1. There's plenty of news to pick from. The mess with Spotify and Joe Rogan. Oh, remember that? Mm -hmm. True Social launching without Trump and 
going down still. Massive layoffs and uh, CEO resignation at Peloton, the largest tech deal ever, Microsoft buying Activision for nearly $70 billion. There was a lot of M&A action in the video game world this quarter. Other companies had their SPACs against the wall. BuzzFeed, Virgin Galactic, and Trump Group are having a hard time. Oh, so sorry on that last one. And of course, all the changes from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So Scott, uh, what's your win and fail? And I let's do it very quickly. Uh, well, Only my fail minutes. is... The obviously the invasion of, of Ukraine, and not for the reasons you think. I mean, obviously the death and destruction are unfathomable. Uh, but I I believe just looking at this unemotionally, uh, Russia's decision to go into Ukraine has not only not created a buffer, it's created an enemy on their border. I think there are a lot of Ukrainians who were sympathetic to Russia or didn't think of Russia as their enemy who now believe yeah. that they are their enemy, in fact. And I think every day that this conflict goes on, and by the way, I don't think America, I hate to say this, is in a hurry to see this conflict end because I think every day that it, it goes on, uh, Russia cedes yeah. geopolitical yeah. power to the West. I think it has unified NATO. For the first time, Republicans and Democrats seem to agree. I think China is actually stepping back a little bit, a little bit from yeah, Russia. Them ruin I think Europe right? is yeah. going to move more towards climate or towards energy uh, independence. There's going to be renewed yeah. vigor to There's figure out renewable, renewals. So I, I just think geopolitically, this was a miscalculation. That is my loss. Uh, my win, yeah. my win, Kara, is I have someone in my household who I care a great deal about who has, uh, who caught COVID late in the game. And here's mm -hmm. the thing, uh, we're not worried. And that is because of vaccines. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, double vaxxed and boosted. So someone I love a great deal. I don't have to, you know, the, the stress and anxiety that I would yeah. have been feeling right now. If this had all ha gone down pre-vaccine, would have been enormous. Yeah. And so, yeah, American ingenuity, American science, um, is 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 the amount of death, disease, disability, and general despair that this innovation has has uh, avoided that we will never appreciate. Supposedly, if we didn't have these vaccines, they estimate another one to two million Americans would be dead. Yeah, uh, the vaccine. You know, my life, I continue on with my life. My loved ones are going to be mm -hmm. just fine because yeah. of science and truth. And science is the closest thing we have to a truth. And the best product of the last 50 years in the West isn't the iPhone. It's these vaccines. So my, huh. my winner is vaccines. All right. Nice. I like that. Those are two very thoughtful wins and fails. I would say, uh, you know, I have a very similar thing. Obviously, the fail is Russia and this invasion. But I got to say, Facebook came in. It's not it's not comparable. But mm -hmm. if I had to pick a news event, I think Facebook has come in at the last minute with, once again, manages to win the win the crown, grab the crown uh, for really bad behavior, bad corporate behavior. And they, they tried to make a pivot with Meta. Um, and of course, speaking of pivots, and when everyone was onto that game, um, this and it gets in the way of that. By the way, I bet they have a lot of people, good people at Facebook, trying to make good things, and it's just it's an insult to those people who work there. So I think they have managed once again to fail, uh, which is something they do with alarming uh, uh, frequency. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Truth Social was a fail, but we always thought it was going to be what a what a what a ridiculous scam that has been. Um, and uh, and for the positives, I think if I'm thinking of a news story. Um, Microsoft buying Activision. I think hmm. it was really smart. Um, I just, I, I have a lot of, I just had an interesting discussion with Brad Smith there about some of the legislation in Europe. Um, I think this is a company that's finally found its niche and it's, it knows who it is. Um, and I, I think this Activision deal is very smart and mm -hmm. we don't quite understand it, you know, yet. And I think they're, they're doing all the right things. I think it's going to be one of the most, it's, it is one of the most valuable companies in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they're handling themselves, uh, uh, with a lot of, uh, smart, very smart group of people running that company right now, longtime people. Uh, but I'm sort of, I'm, I am surprised how impressed I am with them, um, I think uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think that's what I would say. Anyway, um, it's been a very interesting quarter. I can't believe all that news in this one quarter. It's crazy how much news there is. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of news and lots of things we didn't expect every day that's happened. Well, that's been a great boon mm -hmm. and for our show, uh, especially the good news. Um, it's lots gives us lots to talk about, and we really appreciate all your feedback. And we thank you so much for our predictors, even so, Scott, uh, trash them <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> I feel bad now. Was I really that harsh? No, no, it's okay. You just get mad about unions. It gets your dander. Okay, 
That's the show. We'll be back on Tuesday with our guest, Dr. Lori Santos of the Happiness Lab. Mm. Scott, you're going to like that one. I go to a happiness lab. It's called my beer fridge. Okay. <laughs> News changes, but Scott remains the same. All right. Read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Intertot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows and Mia Silverio. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week and next quarter for another breakdown of all things tech and business. COVID has come to the Galloway household, but there is an absence of fear. Thank you, U.S. government. Thank you, science. Thank you, universities. Thank you, Moderna. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com VIYA.